0: Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Shine Church. Thank you. Good morning. Um, Glad you are here. Um, Pastor Dan and Kim uh, just finished up their 25th anniversary getaway, and so you can... Harass them, or bless them, or congratulate them, or however you choose to uh, acknowledge that with them next weekend when they're back. Uh, but we're just so thankful for their leadership and that they had the opportunity to get away and just celebrate um, their love for each other. But we are in our Christmas series. We're calling it Christmas Together. This is the second week of that, and I don't know uh, where you fall in the idea of you know your approach to Christmas. I think we're all there's kind of a spectrum. You know what I'm saying? You've heard of, like, the autism spectrum. There's another spectrum that just as real, the Christmas spectrum. And so some of us are, how many of you guys were, like, even before Thanksgiving, hmm? some of you guys were, like, starting to look into those tubs and bins and sort of prepare some of the things, or even, God forbid, put up the Christmas tree. Anyone in the room? Okay, some of you. Okay, thank you for confessing. We forgive you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, How many of you guys were sort of like reluctantly, but going along with it, like, all right, fine, you know, after Thanksgiving, yes, okay, we can put up the tree, okay, how many there? How many of you are like, come on, get me to the Super Bowl? You know what I'm saying? Come on, let's just get through it, okay, come on. How many of you guys are like, Let's just say happy Hanukkah instead. I mean, anybody? Okay, I know with the words just all over the place, I have personally been all over the place and probably at every one of those places in my own uh, approach and feelings about Christmas. But I truly believe that um, there is a very, oh, excuse me, one quick second. Uh, Okay, is that the clock? Okay, perfect. Um, We had a clock, which is good for you because you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch. Absolutely nothing. Okay, uh, but, but, but there's a big clock right there. It's a confidence monitor, so that's going to keep you on track. Um, I really do believe, and tell me if you agree with this, I really believe that at Christmas time, we have an opportunity for God's love to be shown and received by people around us. Would you agree that around Christmas time, even in people that don't believe in God, don't? consider themselves religious in any way, don't ever attend church, but there's a little something in the heart. There's a little part of the heart, a little crack in the heart that opens itself up to like childlike, what if, you know what I'm saying? What, what if my life isn't just the sum of the parts? What if um, my future isn't just the sum of, of my uh, knowledge and training and education? What if something miraculous could happen? What if something could happen to me, like a little child, that intersects my life and sort of collides with with the course that I think I'm on, right? We all kind of go, well, based on just how things are going, this is what it's going to look like in a year, and then two years, and then three years, and five, and ten. I think that's kind of the way my life, you know, and and maybe you feel great about it, or maybe you don't, or wherever you are. But I think there's a part of, of people's hearts just across the board that says, what if... What if something magical, what if something miraculous could happen that intersects with my life and takes me to places that I could have never gone without it? What if, what if I received something that I wasn't expecting to get? What if I end up somewhere higher than I was expecting to go? What if, what if I were loved in a way that, that I don't deserve to be loved? And I believe that God wants to speak right to that place in our hearts, and He wants to speak right to that place that longs for Christmas in the hearts of people all around us. Even the song, you've probably heard this song, right? For we need a little Christmas right... Oh, come on, you're going to literally leave me hanging? Come on, everybody. We need a little Christmas right this very minute. Nobody knows the words. I don't either. It's okay, it's okay. But I think the point of that song is, is reflects that hunger, right? That, that is real in the hearts of the people. I need a little Christmas in my life. I need a little good news. I need a little something miraculous to happen to me, to restore just my hope and my faith. And I believe that God wants us as his sons and daughters to truly be people that take Christmas with us everywhere we go this year. I really believe there's an openness in hearts all around us, and God wants to touch us and show himself to us in a way that allows us to bring Christmas with us. Wouldn't that be cool? Think about that. If we could really bring Christmas, think about those upcoming office parties coming up, those family gatherings, those long shopping trips, and the driving around in the mall parking lot for hours on end. All of those things. What if we could bring Christmas with us everywhere we go? I believe God wants to speak to that today. And so the first uh, thing I believe that God wants us to know about being people that bring Christmas with us is that we have got to know Christmas. We've got to know Christmas. K-N-O-W. We've got to know it. And what do I mean by that? Well, let me take you to a scripture that uh, it's Philemon 1, verse 6. Philemon 1, verse 6. And Paul is speaking to his friend uh, Philemon, who had a servant who had run away and ended up in the same jail cell as Paul, and so they were like cell buddies, cell buddies, you know, cell—I don't know what cellmates, cellmates. There we go. Thank you. Is that a personal experience or no? No, just you know, it theoretically. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, Kathy has a you know a past. People, no, I'm just messing, totally messing with it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul ended up being cellmates with this guy. And his name was Onesimus. And he was this runaway servant. And Paul writes this letter to uh, the man uh, that, that was in charge of the household that, that he served in and was telling him these words. In Philemon 1, verse 6, if you can pull it up for me, he tells him this Yes, and I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Um, He's saying there is something that happens as we really get the good things we have in Christ, as we really get the good things we've been given that causes generosity. And other verses actually turn it upside down and go, "It's, it's as you really get it, that generosity happens. I mean, it really is a cycle. As I come to know the good gifts I've been given, it gets easier to give them. But yet, as I give them, I actually come to understand how much I've been given. Does that make sense? It's like this crazy cycle. But God wants us to know Christmas. You know, it's not enough to just, he doesn't, he's not satisfied that you believe in Christmas. Like, oh yeah, it's on December 25th. It's something that comes every year, you know. Like, that's my Unfavorite lyric, I think, of a Christmas song is, Christmas comes this time each year. It's like, yeah. Like, what are you trying to say? You know what I'm saying? I think we all know that. But anyway, they wrote a song about it. It comes this time each year. But God is not content for you to kind of know that Christmas happens or know that it exists. He wants you to know it. And the word, therefore, in Philemon 4, as you come to understand and experience that word is gnosko. It means to truly know firsthand, to truly get it firsthand. Now, there is a movie that I'm not going to admit to having watched. But in that movie, it's about a genius who is not in college, but he's a janitor at a college. And he is brilliant and has this attitude, like he knows more than everybody around him, and he really gets, you know, how pointless life is, and nobody around him can understand him, and nobody around him has the brains to, you know, truly understand the world that he lives in, and he goes to see this counselor because he gets in trouble with the law, and he has to meet with this counselor on a regular basis, and this counselor all of a sudden realizes, man, you know, just this cockiness and just arrogance from him, and he insults a a painting that was on the wall that came from a place of, of deep pain and suffering from, from walking through chemotherapy and ultimately his wife's death and loving her, and and he begins to talk to the young genius, and he says these words, so if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. Michelangelo, you know a lot about him, like life's work, political aspirations, uh, him and the Pope, sexual orientation, the whole works, right? I'll bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel, You've never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling and seen that. If I ask you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus about your personal favorites, but you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. Though you're a tough kid, and I'd ask you about war, and you'd probably know Shakespeare at me, right? To once more into the breach, dear friends, but you've never actually been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watched him gasp his last breath, looking to you for help. I'd ask you about love. You'd probably quote me a sonnet, but you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes, feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you who could rescue you from the depths of hell. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel, to have that love for her, to be there forever through anything, through cancer, And you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up in the hospital room for two months holding her hand because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss because it only occurs when you've loved something more than you love yourself. And I doubt that you've ever dared to love anyone that much. That is describing the difference between knowing here and truly knowing, right? Experiencing firsthand by experience love and beauty and friendship and art and whatever it might be. And God is saying, I want you, my sons and daughters, if you're gonna be people that bring Christmas with you everywhere you go, the first step is that you've got to know it. You've got to truly experience my Christmas. Guess what? Our God is the inventor of Christmas. I know Christmas means a lot of things and you know it's gotten distorted in many ways, but the original idea of Christmas is from our God. Let me take you to uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and see if you see any Christmas in this passage. This is in Ephesians, all right? Typically, if I ask, where are we going to look in the Bible for Christmas? Oh, Luke chapter 2, you know, there was a census in the year Augustus died, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is in Ephesians, a random epistle. See, though, if you see anything that sounds or smells like Christmas in these words, how blessed is God we're talking about the source of it. How blessed is God, and what a blessing, or I would say what a blessor he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had you in mind. Had settled on us, and I'm gonna say he had settled on you as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son, I'm telling you what, What this is the interactive part of the message, and I want to ask you, what is it in those words that we just read that to you says, man, that feels like Christmas to me. That feels like, like God putting his finger on a place of my heart. Anybody, who wants to be first? Gifts, lavish gift giving, right? And I know that there's a, that's an important part of Christmas, isn't it? You know what I believe gifts tell us when we receive them? I believe that gifts tell us that there's someone who loves us and wants us to be happy. Think about it. When you receive a gift, what about this? Someone who that person who loves us and wants us to be happy took the time to know us well enough to know what matters to us. Right? Is it a fishing pole? Is it a is it a Game Boy? Is it a is a piece of jewelry? Is it perfume? What what is it? That, that is it tickets to travel somewhere? What is it that That's in my heart. What are the deep longings in my heart? Somebody took the time to to know you deeply and know what makes you happy and what makes you tick. And then thirdly, they had vast resources or at least resources that they carved out to make that gift a reality in your life, maybe with personal sacrifice. And I believe that that's exactly right, Curtis, that God wanted us to know Christmas and know I love you and I care about your joy. I know you deeply. I've asked you. Psalm 139 tells us that he thinks about us all the time. It says, how vast concerning me are your thoughts, oh God. You actually spent time thinking about little DJ, one of eight billion people, right? But he spends time thinking about us, understanding what makes us tick. He takes delight in that, and he moves mountains to make things a reality in our life. Awesome. What else do you see in this passage? Thank you, Curtis. Opening up your home to friends and family. Did you catch that part about he adopts us into his family? Isn't that cool when we have a a table is set and there's a place for us? There's something so special about coming and showing up somewhere and and feeling like, man, we, we have a place. We're valued. Maybe we were greeted at the door. Come on in. We got a place. Hey, do you want something to drink? Do you want some hot cocoa, some cider? Just being welcomed in family. It says there that he adopted us into his family. And did you catch it? It says he took great pleasure in planning this. I know there's people in the room right now who have adopted young men and women, maybe babies. We know people in this church, and I know people that have literally gone through a process that lasted for months or years and tens of thousands of dollars and perhaps multiple trips to other parts of the country or even other countries in the world. Why? Because they wanted that little boy or that little girl. And they took such pleasure and such sacrifice in adopting them and bringing them into their home and in, in blessing them with, with clothes and with education and with food and with fun and with, you know, a future. That's how God loves you. What else? What else do you see in this passage that smells like Christmas to you? Yeah, oh, sorry. Back and back and then we'll come here. Yep. Physical talk. Okay, where'd you see that? Mm, hugging someone, yet being embraced and loved or being able to offer love that way. Our God totally does that. He wraps his arms around us. He wants us to know his Christmas and his love. Doug? Family love, yes. Something super special isn't there about that bond, that intimacy that's there. And again, we see that there. Anybody else? One last. It's, planned and it's planned and intentional, right? It requires some forethought and that is so valuable and God is saying I love you. I want you to, I want to bless you and take you to high places of blessing. I've thought about this and I know how to do this and I'm going to do this. And God is saying I love you my child and I'm a blessor, right? It says he how blessed is God and what a blessing. And I would say what a blessor, giver of blessing. He is. God I'm telling you what, here's the thing guys. There's a lot of talk Uh, Around Christmas time, or maybe you've even thought that God thought of it this way. You're so blessed. Why don't you stop being so selfish? Stop accepting blessings. Stop buying presents for your kids or your spouse and just start giving all the money overseas, someplace and somewhere else. I'm here to tell you, I don't believe that's the heart of God. I don't. I think God says, you know what? The very first step of me making you who I want you to be and a person that brings Christmas with you everywhere is that you actually receive Christmas from me, that you actually know and experience Christmas, that you actually are willing to go, okay, God, bless my socks off. (laughs) Embrace yourself and buckle up because God is a blesser. God cares about you. In a sense, the very first step is all about you. Oh, don't shout me down in here. It is all about you because guess what? We can't go to step number two until we've received step number one. Here, How do I know that? Well, because in John chapter 13, Jesus was getting ready to lay down his life for his disciples and he had one final meal together. And it says, knowing that he had come from God and was returning back to God and knowing that all authority had been given him, he took a towel and he wrapped it around himself and he began to humble himself like a servant and go one by one and wash the disciples' feet that no doubt were dusty and dirty and smelly. And when he got to Peter, what did Peter say? He had that mindset, oh, it's not about me. It's not about me. I can't have you. So he says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. If anything, I should be washing your feet. Does that make sense? Kind of makes sense, right? Here's the king of kings. Peter no doubt thought, like many of us, would they Like, no, 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 I, I get what you're doing here, but I'm not falling for that. I know who you are, you're the king of kings, and this is a trick, this is a trick question. You're waiting to see the one disciple that's like, no, 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 no. I don't know who you are. Let me wash your feet. And Jesus is like, ah, you're the smartest. Peter, you really get it of all these idiots that I'm surrounded with. You get what you pay for, you know. What do you expect? Hire a bunch of fishermen. A couple occasional tax collector. But that wasn't it. What did Jesus tell him? Jesus t- said some really surprising words. Jesus goes, Peter, unless you let me do this, you have no part with me. What? After three, after me walking away from my family business? after me walking away from my career and every, you know, expectation that I had for myself, after me doing everything you've asked me to do for three years, after me sitting at your feet and learning everything and writing down some notes so I can help Mark write his gospel later on and stuff like that. You know, really, all that means nothing? And now you're going to tell me, oh, this one thing, if I don't let you wash my feet, I have no part with you. I can imagine he'd be like, what in the world? But here's why it was so important because Jesus was addressing this. He's going, Peter, if you don't know Christmas, if you're not willing to receive my love and my blessing for you, if you're not willing to let me love you, what do you think you have to give to anybody else? What do you think you have? You're empty without my love. So God is saying, I want you this Christmas to know Christmas, to know my love for you, to receive my blessing, every one of those things. Maybe go back and read that Ephesians passage again and just let it soak in and and wash over your heart. Go, what God, you wanna bless me with every spiritual blessing? What, you've adopted me in your family? You love me, you wanna lavish gifts upon me? And just let that wash over you. But here's what happens as we do that. Then Jesus invites us to say, all right, it's not about get over yourself, get off your sorry behind, start doing something productive. It's saying, uh, Acts 20, verse 35, is a passage we've all heard. It's more blessed to give than to receive, right? Another way uh, um, uh, way of of writing that is you're far happier giving than getting. My paraphrase is this. Jesus is saying, now, keep on receiving. Don't ever, listen, I'm never going to be like, oh, God, You've blessed me too much. Don't bless me anymore. Give it to somebody else. I'll be like, whoo, bring it on. Woo. Under the, you know, waterfall of God's blessing. I don't ever want to step out of that waterfall. Do you? I don't think God wants me to. God's like, I will never get tired of pouring blessing on you. I never, I, I'm never going to say, you know what? You're not worthy of any more blessing. I don't, you, I've given you way too much proportionally to everybody else. This is not math class. He's going, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love pouring my love and my blessing in your life. But then he comes alongside, he says, he invites us, you think receiving is fun? Do you think knowing Christmas is fun? Why don't you join me in showing Christmas? Because it's even more fun. Why don't you jump in my sleigh and help me give out a few presents and go down a few chimneys? Can pastors mention Santa Claus? Because you know, Santa, if you mix the words around, no, never mind. (laughs) That's what they're probably preaching somewhere this morning. I think Jesus said, jump into my sleigh, man. If you think getting is fun, wait till you join me in giving. If you think knowing Christmas for yourself is fun, and it is, receiving God's blessing, come on, hop in my sleigh. Let's show Christmas join me. He's not looking for pawns to minions to do his disagreeable work for him. Do you understand this? God doesn't need us to go do his dirty work. He's literally inviting us into a life of joy with him. But what's the problem? It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes there's pain in that. Isn't there? Sometimes getting together with those family members, it brings up stuff from the past. Maybe it brings up insecurities. Maybe it brings up We've been judged. We were not as successful as our brothers-in-law who got finance degrees and, you know, made it big while we were in menial church work in the middle. Oh, sorry. It's my story. (laughs) Your story's different. But right? We can feel it's those times that dig up like anger. I had crazy stuff in my own family, extended family, for years and years, and I literally experienced feelings that I'm ashamed of, and that no pastor, let alone no Christian, should feel. Probably, um, but I had very serious issues with a particular family person, and we would see them from time to time at Thanksgivings or Christmases, and it was like literally I had to psych myself like, like Lamas, like no joke. You know what I'm saying? You know the you, I'm not I'm I'm. If you ask my wife, she'll verify. Like, literally, like, my, my, my blood pressure would go up, my heart rate would go up, just thinking about being around them. And there were some social disabilities and some things that, that went into that as well. You know, there's brokenness all around us, isn't there? I, I'm realizing more and more, I don't know about you, do you realize more and more? I used to think that there's like this huge circle of sort of normal people that was like 98%. And then on the very outside fringe, there was like 2% of people that had issues. <laughs> Have you noticed that that's not real at all? There's like 1% of people that don't have issues and 99% of us that are like, oh yeah, we got issues. You know what I'm saying? We got that relative or maybe we are that relative, right? <laughs> if, if you don't have a relative, guess what? You probably are the one that they're all, DJ's coming to the party. He's going to start sharing with us theology and, you know, they're psyching themselves up for me. There's pain involved, isn't there? There's pain in showing Christmas. When I say it's fun, I truly do believe that's the right word, that Jesus is saying it's fun to join me. But I don't want you to think that that I'm an idiot or that God doesn't understand that there's pain in that. There's pain in laying down our life in love for those around us. It can be very painful to make ourselves vulnerable or to put ourselves in that situation that is not comfortable, that we don't walk away going... Wow, man, I just felt like everybody was giving me high fives. Oh, DJ, you're so successful. Man, you're so great. We want to be just like you. You know, sometimes we, love calls us, showing Christmas calls us to put ourselves in places where we're laying down our lives, where it's painful, where it hurts, where we're being stretched. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 7, I thought of this morning. It says, Apostle Paul is writing the church in Corinth, and he goes, I hear that there are lawsuits among you. And he goes, man, if that's true, you've already lost. We've already been defeated as a church. He goes, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? I mean, there's something there, you know what I'm saying? To just that idea that when we've received Jesus' love and when we've known Christmas, when we choose to show Christmas, there's an aspect that we choose to say, Jesus, okay, I'm hopping in that sleigh, knowing there's gonna be some pain in that, but knowing that ultimately the joy when I show Christmas to others who need it even more than I do is gonna be real that joy is gonna be lasting and it's gonna be an eternal joy. Do you hear what I'm saying? Here's the thing. There's One of our pillar verses here at Shine uh, is 1 Peter 2, verse 9. And I think that it holds a secret to our role in showing Christmas. And it says this, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. By the way, I hope you understand. These are good things. You know what I'm saying? You're chosen. You're chosen. You're not the one left the last one on the basketball court. <laughs> like, who wants little Johnny? Well, I guess we'll take him, you know. You're chosen. You're wanted. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. God loves you. He considers you his own. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's a word there, as a result, you can show others. As a result, by the way, because of what came earlier, right? Do you, see, do you see that same principle? If we don't let Jesus wash our feet and don't let him show us Christmas and minister to our hearts, we got nothing. But as a result of receiving his love, of being chosen by him, of being made a royal priesthood and a holy nation, now I can show others the goodness of God. We were singing about it. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, right? Or what was it? No, that wasn't the song. We were singing something about good. You are good. You are good. Oh, oh. <laughs> Don't forget the part because that drives it home. You know what I'm saying? But it's just we know the goodness of God and we show it. You know what I'm saying? We can show his goodness. Tell Here's what that word uh, means in, uh, in that passage. It means, oh, the, the actual word for those three nerds among us, is ex agilos. okay, in the Greek, ex agilos. out from within, so from the inside out is the first part, agelos is actually the word for messenger or angel, do you know you can be someone's angel this Christmas? That wasn't in the notes, just thought I'd try it, but it totally flopped, but here's the thing, God has called us to be his messengers, to be his, his representatives showing Christmas in every place that we go. And he wants it to come from the inside out. And as I thought about what could possibly illustrate something coming from the inside out, naturally, I thought of fireworks. Or maybe not naturally, but, you know, who knows what happens inside my brain. But, you know, on July 4th, we go and we buy those, like, fountain things. Have you guys bought those? Only the legal ones that are approved by the HOA and all of that, yes. But anyway, we go and buy the little tower, and it has a number of chemicals inside of it, and it has a little wick on it. And then you very safely, again, with police endorsement and HOA representatives signing off and so forth, you put that in your cul-de-sac, and you light it, and then you run to a very safe distance with your children behind you. And what happens? From the inside out, something shows the beauty And the glory that was inside of it, right? I believe God is saying, man, I want you to be the same way. I've made you to be my little fountain of my goodness. And I've poured in love and Christmas into your heart. And I want you now, wherever you go, as you have opportunity. It doesn't mean like, you know, be in the center of attention. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about maybe it's in a conversation in the kitchen while you're pouring some cider or, you know what I'm saying, someone who's hurting or whatever it might be. All of a sudden, boom. Let that goodness of mine show forth through you from the inside out because you're experiencing it. I'm not just using you to get to somebody else. You know, God's not a bait and switch, you know, join my multi-level thing and then the minute that you're in, now we're on to the next person because I've got you and you're committed and you paid the $300 and you know what I'm saying? He's not like that. He's saying, man, I love you. I'll never get tired of pouring my love and my Christmas into you. But now as you're joining me, hey, guess what? There's more I'm pouring into you. I met a guy yesterday, uh, changing the oil on the jeep, and he was just a super courteous guy and just took really good care of, of me as I was changing uh, or he was changing the jeep oil. And um, but in the conversation, it came out that he was um, getting ready to buy a motorcycle, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, I got a truck early this year. Oh, that's cool, you know. But he. Kept sharing and he's like, well, the reason is my wife separated from me um, just this year. And he goes, I had saved up as much money as I possibly could and I was going to buy her a really cool ring that she wanted this Christmas. And I had all that money saved up. And then she called it quits and just said she didn't want to be together anymore. So he goes, I went and bought a truck with that money and I'm saving up to get a motorcycle. And I mean, here's the manager of the oil change place, you know, just coming out with this. In the process of using my Groupon. Seriously, right? Like, this wasn't like some big plant, I'm going to go witness right now. You know, like the Nutcracker, you know? (laughs) We're a little, little witnessing, I'm going to share the goodness of God, you know? This is just like in the course of getting an oil change on a Saturday morning. But all of a sudden, I realized that I had an opportunity to show a little Christmas. And I told him, I said, hey, man, it sounds like, just based on what you shared with me a little bit in there, that, uh, that maybe you can use some good news. And, uh, and, hey, I'm part of a church down in Castle Rock and, and you know, teaching this weekend. And, and he's like, yeah. He goes, you know what? I was totally into church when I was like 15 years old. And he goes, and I've, and I've fallen away. And he started choking up a little bit. And I said, you know what? It isn't even about church, man. because so a lot of times we think about church, like, oh, I need to do more for God. I need to jump higher. I need to do the right thing. And I'm like, that's not what, that's not God's heart for you. God's heart for you this Christmas is to know Christmas, is to to know his love, is to know that he cares about you. And I'm telling you what, like it was like an incredible, and then it was over, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I stuck around, okay, let's read the Bible together now and, you know, sing Christmas songs. But I truly believe that Christmas entered his heart, and all of a sudden there was some hope and just hearing God cares about me in this situation and this pain in my life. And I'm sure that if you think about it, you've got some opportunities coming up where there's some people that are hurting around you. There's some people who could use a little Christmas right this very minute. And guess what? I believe God's put you right there where he wants you, not only to have enough for you, but out of the overflow, be able to give a little grace, be able to give a little bit of hope, be able to give a little bit of comfort, be able to be a listening ear to that person pouring out their heart and nobody else is really taking the time to listen. All of a sudden, you're that one that, hey, it's okay, go ahead, and tell me about that. What's going on? And you take time out of everything else. I mean, I'm telling you what, God has called us to be his messengers. Do you want to know how this all ties in with what I believe is the big idea of the entire Bible? Anybody? Because this, what we're talking about, is not just a Christmas message. I kind of adapted it a little bit. But it really, I think, ties into the big idea of the entire history of the world and the Bible. Can I make it any bigger than that? <laughs> I'm I'm putting the standard right here. I hope you're not disappointed. Okay, here's what it is. I believe that the first eleven chapters of the Bible are the setup. It's like the backdrop for the story, God's big story. And so, you know, God creates man and woman and the whole universe and all that kind of stuff, and then man and woman sin and fall, right? And so all of a sudden, that's a big deal, right? And then there's like uh, the, uh, what else happens here? The Tower of Babel, right? And so that is a big deal, right, with all the, the languages being confused and all that. And then there's the flood, and it goes back to eight people. But then in chapter 12... God sees a person and comes up with the strategy or begins to implement his strategy that no doubt he had before the beginning of time. And his name was Abram. And he says this, Abram, first of all, he said, I will leave your nation and your family's place where you live and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and listen to this, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I believe that that verse, or that little passage, those two verses, are basically the outline of the entire rest of the Bible. I think the entire rest of the Bible is the story of God choosing someone, blessing them, and then calling them and inviting them to be a blessing so that others may know his goodness— and so they give glory and honor to God, right? And we see that originally it was Abram who became Abraham, became the father of the Jewish people. And so, really, we have a bunch of the Bible that's kind of about how God wanted to to use the, the uh, Israel as His chosen people to show goodness. It wasn't about like, oh, look at us, we're so blessed. And whoa, I'm sorry, we're so blessed. You know, let's keep this blessing in. God's purpose was that all the nations would know His goodness right? Uh, Jonah got it wrong when he was like, the story of Jonah, it's so funny because God's like, hey, go preach to this other city because I'm going to destroy them. And so he's like, so he goes to the opposite place, you know, somewhere in probably in Spain, uh, uh, Tarshish, and uh, on the coast there, south of Barcelona. And anyway, and a, a whale or a big fish gobbles him up, you know, they throw him into the sea, and then he disobeys. Finally, he goes back there, and he preaches, and what do they do? They all repent. They all repent from this terrible sin that they were in and stuff. And what does God do? He forgives them. He's like, okay, fine. I'm not going to destroy them. And Jonah, this is the funniest thing. Jonah's like, I knew it. I knew it. That's why I didn't want to go do this. <laughs> he didn't want to preach to them because he knew they would actually repent and that God would forgive them. And he's like, I, I just wanted you to throw down fire from heaven and destroy them all. There are a bunch of other nations out there. You're not supposed to care about them, God. And God's like, ah, oh, you don't get my heart. My heart is to bless you, Israeli, to be a blessing so that all nations can know how good I am and worship me. Can you pull up that slide real quick? So here's my adaptation of the blessing triangle, which now is a blessing tree, a blessing Christmas tree, because, you know, it's December, right? So it all starts with God, and God has chosen Abraham, and then it was Jesus. His blessing was really like the seed of Abraham, right, was Jesus. And so he was the, the messenger of God's blessing in the gospels. But then what happened after that? You and I, the church, God said, man, I'm, I'm wanting you guys to be in on this. You guys are chosen to get my blessing, to know Christmas and be blessed. And then I'm inviting you guys, the chosen ones, to be a blessing, to show Christmas to others so that they might know me. And guess what happens? Do you know what, man, do you remember when you first experienced the love of God? When somebody came and told you, hey, God cares about you. Hey, you matter to him. Hey, he loves you. He doesn't care about all the stuff you've done. Man, he cares about you. He's He looks through your sin and sees your need, sees where you're really at. He loves you and cares. Man, do you remember the feeling of, seriously? Like, weight being lifted, bricks being taken off our shoulders, and, and giving a praise to God. There's a psalm that says, call to me, God speaking, and I will answer you, and you will honor me. There's a praise that happens after we've experienced the goodness of God. After we've known Christmas for the first time, or, 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 or the hundredth time, and we go, oh God, thank you. You're so good. God wants everyone to experience that and be able to worship him. And here's the thing. This process is really step three. I believe God's calling us to grow Christmas, right? Not just show Christmas, but I believe that our Christmas tree can grow over time. See, all of us are kind of like um, pickup trucks. I just thought I'd throw in something to appeal to the men and the occasional woman, because there are some, there you go. See, you like pickup trucks. It's for men and women. This is an equal opportunity illustration absolutely it is but pickup trucks if you go buy a pickup truck there's different uh capacities different tonnages right i think so there's like a half ton a three-quarter ton one ton i don't know i don't really know if there's any more i'm hoping somebody out there knows maybe there's some bigger ones too my yellow f-150 i had years ago was kind of a mall princess i'll admit it it didn't see a whole lot of action it was the king cab, so it really only had like a, you know, five-and-a-half-foot bed. You know, it's kind of like, okay, let's put like the grill in there. It was fun. I miss it, truly. But it was like a small capacity. But here's the thing. All of us have a certain capacity to show Christmas, to show God's love and blessing to others, right? Would you agree? And here's the thing. We get discouraged because it seems like, oh, man, this whole big, bad world, there's so much hurt. There's so much pain. What can I possibly do? And it's like, oh, never mind, right? Like, whatever. What what difference can what I could possibly bring make? And God is saying, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to start right where you are. If you're a little half-ton, you know, Ford Ranger, a little Datsun, you guys remember those? <laughs> be a Datsun. It's okay. Start where you are. But start knowing my Christmas, knowing my blessing, knowing my love, receiving it. Start showing it. Other people are going to start giving me glory. That might start with one person. My Christmas tree might be... That's okay. Start where I am. Because the biblical principle is, if we're faithful with a little, he'll entrust us with more. If we say, okay, God, I'm willing to be stretched in my love. Maybe include one more person this Christmas. Okay, fine. You know? And God's like, okay, I'm with you. And all of a sudden, guess what? We see the glory that comes to God through that person receiving love and us showing Christmas. And all of a sudden, it's like, that was kind of cool, God. And all of a sudden, maybe next year or a couple years later, you know, we're ready to stretch again. God wants to stretch us as we grow Christmas inside of us. Here's a passage for you: Acts 1, verse 8. It says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. If you can pop it on the screen. Uh, And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was the city they lived in, with the people that they knew, with the people who were like them, who were normal, right? And then he says, and you'll be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. That was a bigger concentric circle, like, let's say, the state of Colorado. But also, it included a bunch of different ethnic peoples in Samaria who had been kind of intermarried and crisscrossed and all the, you know, the Jewish people at the time were like, huh. They're very different from us, and they've come from different places and have different customs and look different and talk different and act different. But God was saying, can you let me stretch you in showing Christmas, in being my witnesses and my love? Not just what you're comfortable with initially. It's okay. Start there. Start right here with your family. Start right here with the people right here in front of your face. But then as you let me stretch you and grow you, I'm going to let you care about more people than that and different kinds of people than that. And then he says, "And after Judea and Samaria, what does he say? The uttermost ends of the earth, all the ends of the earth." See, God wants to grow love in our hearts, and I'm telling you what—he'll put little prompts in our path. Right? Every look for him this year. There'll be little prompts. Um, opportunity knocks. Right? Have you heard that? Have you heard? Uh, now I, I learned how to say his name last night, and I forgot already. Louis Pasteur. Is that the right way to, I think he was a French guy. Anyway, um, but thank God, because we drink milk largely in appreciation to him. Um, But he said this, chance favors the prepared mind, or uh, fortune favors the prepared mind. What I think that means is if we're actively looking to be stretched, if we're actively kind of like, okay, God you know what? I want to show Christmas. And maybe I'm even willing this Christmas to be stretched a little bit more than usual and maybe be a little bit uncomfortable. But you know, if I'm a half ton, then I mean, don't go full ton on me. You know what I'm saying? Just like maybe 0.575. You know what I'm saying? Like like just a percentage more. You know what I'm saying? An extra two by four. Oh, okay. How are the shocks doing? All right. You know, it can be a little bit at a time. But if we're willing to let him stretch us and if we're actively, if our mind is prepared to say, Lord, Who are you putting in my path this year, right within my family, right within my circle of influence that needs your love? Or maybe you're ready to say, Lord, how can I make a difference to people who are different than me? Is there anything I can do with the person who lives down the street and who maybe doesn't even know what the tradition of Christmas is all about? Can I be used to show Christmas? Or Maybe you're ready to say, Lord, what about the ends of the earth? What about people that don't even know of your goodness and your love? What about them? Do we spend time thinking about people that don't even have access to a Christian radio station or to any news of that Jesus was born as a baby because God loves them so much that he wanted to make a way to have a relationship. Man, there's more than 8,000 people groups on the face of the earth right now that don't even have that. I mean, they literally can drive to the grocery store, drive to the library, drive to school, drive home, drive to the mall, and never hear or see anything about Jesus not even having access to the gospel. Here's what happens as we cooperate with God and let him grow Christmas in our capacity is Revelation, and I'll end with this. Revelation chapter seven, verses nine through 12. And John is looking to the end of time and he has a scene from worship in heaven. And he says this, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Here's how this ties in with Christmas. You're like, well, that's not this a missions message? You tricked us, Pastor. Mm, this is not a Christmas message. We know Christmas messages. Let me tie this in for you. They said right there, salvation belongs to our God. Guess what Gabriel told the Virgin Mary the name of her son was gonna be? Jesus, Yeshua. It means the Lord saves. Salvation belongs to our God. The God who longs to have people of every tribe and nation and tongue worshiping him, knowing his goodness, because we have cooperated in showing them Christmas, is the same God who sent little baby to be born and told the young virgin that your baby is going to be called the Lord saves. Salvation, it's not something you have to figure out. It's not something you have to achieve. God was saying, I got this. I've got it figured out. I've got a plan to show you Christmas, to show you love, to show you blessing, to forgive your sin, to make you whole again. Will we cooperate with him? If you want to find out more about the big story of the Bible about God's ultimate passion to have people of every nation, tribe, and tongue know him and worship him. We actually have a, a information on a class that I took about three years ago, and it rocked my world. So don't take this class unless you're willing, at least to the possibility, that God can take your heart and literally tie knots with it and begin to rearrange it. Because I found myself weeping like a baby Just coming to understand in a fresh way God's love for people. It's not just for a few missionaries. It's not for a few crazy radicals in the church. It's for every one of us. It's called Perspectives. John is right here sitting uh, to my right, your left, and he'll be out there answering questions. The 15-week class, I took it. Man, I'm so thankful I did. That's where I learned about Genesis 12 being the pivotal passage of all the Bible. And it makes everything so simple. Everything else is about God choosing people, blessing people, having them bless ultimately so that all people know and worship him. I want to be a part of that, and I'm so thankful he offers to every one of us to show us Christmas, to, to have us know his Christmas, have us join him in the incredible adventure of showing his love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, for just your goodness to us. Thank you, Father. I pray that every one of us here would know right now beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love us, that you are so excited about showing your love to us in a new way this Christmas. God, you desire us to cast all of our fears, all of our anxiety, all of our concerns, all of our worries, whether they be financial, relationships, insecurity, whatever it might be, God. Lord, you want us to cast all that on you and receive your love in Christmas for us. God, I pray you'd help us to give that away, even when it hurts a little bit, to stretch and to grow and to... Just join you in your incredible adventure of showing love and revealing yourself to people. God, we love you. Bless your people. Let us have a special, special Christmas this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.